Hello everybody and welcome to another of my comedians interviews for my blog A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 750 comedians and counting over the last 45 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, the wonderful comedian Mr. Scott Bennett. Yes! Hello! <laughs> Hello Richard! Wow. How are you? Good to see oh, you! I'm good, I've missed that, that felt like I was on stage for a minute then, I've missed it. I'm going to record, I want you to send me that as a clip, because oh, I've, definitely, not, I've, definitely. I've not had an introduction for so long, it felt wonderful, thank you very much. How are you, you alright? Yeah, I'm very good, yeah, good I'm man. okay, well, you know, apart from a pandemic, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, thank you, yeah. yeah. Brilliant, well, um, uh, I'm so pleased you're here today. And uh, the comedian, uh, the comedian, the interview is going to be all about your comedy career. Wow. So if we go way back to the start, can you tell me, please, how did you become a comedian? Uh, it was a it was a very strange one, really. I mean, I'd, I, I didn't start. Till I was quite late. Right. By, so I started when I was sort of 30, 31, something like that. Um, and I'd, I'd been watching comedy most of my life. A massive fan like you. Probably not as big as you, Richard. <laughs> I don't think there's many people who like comedy as much. I've never I never got a blog and interviewed people. But I, 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 can't, did. I can't believe the success of it. It's amazing. It's, pa it's passion. People respond to people's passions. That's yeah. wonderful. Um, so I, I've been sort of watching from the sidelines for a long time and, and then I decided to just have, have a, uh, when I got to the age of uh, 30, I thought I'm going to start doing this. And so, um, yeah, it was it was more about, I think, the, the love and the, um, uh, for comedy then became, oh, I think I could actually do this. Yeah. And then and that was it, really. It, it, it came sort of organically, really, I think. I didn't set out, I didn't go to drama school or anything. No, it, no. Came, it came from a love of comedy. Uh, and this was the next step, I think, the next logical step. Did, did you make other other people laugh at school or in the pub or things like that? And you thought, there's something here I've... I've yeah, I think I think at school I was a bit of a shy nit. Right. I was a bit sort of a, a I don't I think really sort of high school I started to get come out my shell a little bit, yeah. uh, and then I think it was when I when I was in my first job at lunchtime we'd go to the canteen and I'd sort of make people laugh and then I remember I actually. The, the buzz of doing it, even though it was like three people around a table, the buzz of doing that, there was something there that was quite addictive about yeah, it. And I think, yeah. and then I, I didn't realise at the time, but I was thinking, when I was sat there at my computer thinking, well, it's dinner in an hour, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this today. Yeah, like, yeah. I was almost, I was almost work, <laughs> workshopping my banter, like sat, as, as, if, as if I was preparing a set looking back, which is quite pathetic. But, um, but yeah, that's how, it, that's how it started, really. Uh, can you describe your first gig? Uh, was it um, like a five-minute uh, set in a, in a in in a pub with a friend that, that you go along? Because I, mm. I go a lot. I go a lot. I go along to a lot of free gigs and mm. uh, sort of support brand new comedians. Was it like that? It was a an actually a gong show, which oh, right. I don't know if you've yeah, which is sort of probably the worst thing you could have stepped into as a new act. But it was a, it was quite a friendly one. It was in it was in Nottingham where yeah. I live, and yeah. it was it was a bub of pub, and it was like a gong show where the audience get two minutes grace, and then they can vote off people they don't think are funny. Which is it's never a good idea to give the audience that amount of power. I don't think in anything. I mean, that's that, that's how 
how we ended up with Brexit, isn't it? That sort of logic. <laughs> but, um, but it's uh, it's, uh, it's it was one of those sort of situations where I, I sort of I'd emailed the local promoter, Funhouse Comedy, and yeah. just sort of said, "Look, I really want to do stand up. I don't know anything about how to get into it. I've got five minutes." What, how do I get stage time? And then he said, oh, well, you come into this gong show, but it is friendly. So I went along, and there was about 15 people, wow. 13 of which were the acts. Wow. So, <laughs> so it was like quite, hardly any audience. Um, but my wife was there as well. My wife yeah. was there with me. And um, so she was in the audience. And, uh, yeah, that was the first, the first gig, really. What year was that? And that was two thousand and October October two thousand and nine, sort wow. of Halloween two thousand and nine. Wow. And I remember it, it, it went quite well in that I won the Gong Show, right. which was ridiculous, really, for the first time I'd ever stepped on stage. <laughs> and I think I often think back and think if I if if it hadn't gone well, would that have been the thing that if I'd have died so badly? Yeah. I mean, that came later. <laughs> But if I'd have if I'd have died so badly, would it have put me off to the point where I thought, well, I wouldn't do it again? So it, it was really interesting. So yeah, it did, uh, and and I uh, and I remember just that sort of I don't remember the material, but I remember the feeling of of getting laughs and yeah, the feeling yeah. of oh, this there should be there could be something in this. So yeah, that was the first ever gig really, back I, in. I, um, yeah. I never tire of telling this story. I've told this story at many many of these interviews. Um, I've actually had a go at stand-up comedy myself. Right, um, I was going to. I saw, thought you might. Yeah, uh, um, and uh, I know the guy who runs the Free Fringe, and he and I said to him, uh, I can make. I think I can make people laugh. And he said, Oh, he said, uh, have a have a have a go at a, a gong show, uh, and uh, this was in Edinburgh at the Fringe. Um, uh, I'll put you on in in a in, in a room in the Haymarket with. Um, uh, it's it's it it's an old person's gong show, so wow. so I that's, that sounds unnecessarily cruel. That's that's like a metaphor yeah. for life, isn't it? An old person's gong show. I mean, so they might as well I, have so called it Countdown or something. That's horrendous. That is. So I so so I walked out having rehearsed this script, and mm. uh, um, I was on borrowed time because I walked out, and the first thing I said to them was. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, many people think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, uh, the ski jumper, which I'm his double, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And straight away, one man at the one old fellow at the back just went fuck off and gunned me off. Wow! <laughs> do, do, no, no, you should have said no. You know, are you are you more of a flat fan of the giant slalom then? I don't know. I mean, why, why, why the hatred for Eddie the Eagle Edwards? That seems it's one of the nicest it sort of. It's a weird thing to do, but they are they're gladiatorial really because everyone yeah. said to me, you know, when you when you doing the comedy store King Gong is notorious. Yeah, like people yeah, travel, yeah. people used to travel for five hours on yeah. a mega bus, and then they get there and they go, "I'm from Glasgow, Gong," and you go, "Oh, that's just." <laughs> That's ridiculous. That, you, 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 I could have done that for you at home. Why come all the way for that? That you know that rejection, which yeah. is is so so tragic in many well, ways. I, but um, well, I thought yeah. to, I thought to myself, never say never again. But I'm I'm much better, I think, as a member of the audience, which has proved yeah. <laughs> a lot better. Yeah, but I would, in defence of those shows, because they get a lot of bad yeah. press. Yeah. The one that was quite a friendly one. Yeah. So. 
Uh, but what I would say is, what it did teach me in the first few gigs of my career is being funny first. Yeah. And I think that's a really good lesson for comics. Exactly. Like, you, you've got to be funny in the first 30 seconds because exactly. it, 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 it makes the co audience comf comfortable, it makes you feel confident, and that is what a gong show will do because you've got to start well. Yeah. And and I think, I think that's a lesson that a lot of comics, you know, uh, that, that's beneficial for a lot of comics, I think. You've got to walk out within that first minute and you've got to either be endearing... Uh, or very warm or very original but above all very as funny as you can be to, as you totally. to get the audience oh yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I've got the utmost respect for all you heroes that can go out and do it you know it's, it's, it's extraordinary <laughs> Um, I mean, you, you say you're saying heroes, but a lot of us are doing it for a constant need of validation and self-approval. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's anything heroic about that. Right? It's probably narcissism wrapped in in heroism. But I'll, I'll take it anyway, in the spirit it's in, intended. Um, to date, what has been your best and worst comedy gig? Okay, well, the the best gig. I mean, there's been a lot. I'll be honest, but I think the best gig was the first uh, was supporting. Rob Bryden in um, my in Huddersfield. Wow. So it was like a home fixture. My parents were there, but I didn't know they were there because I told them to sit right at the back. And it was uh, it was a it was the big theatre where I used to go as a kid to see stuff. And walking out there and doing the support there was amazing. So oh, that, I think that that that's like a and the really weird thing is in in my show in 2018 I talk about the weird twist of fate with that because I actually. Rob, I went. It was the first stand-up gig in Nottingham. Me and Gemma saw right. together. My wife, we yeah. saw it together in the same week. I did my first gig. So that Gong Show, that week before, we went and see see him do stand-up. Hal Cruttenden supported him. Oh mate, how yeah. Good so, is that? so so and we saw and I didn't know this, but Gemma had gone along in the day. She'd bought me Rob's autobiography yeah. ages ago, and she'd gone along because Rob was doing a book signing in Waterstones, and he signed it. She says, "My husband's doing his first ever gig this weekend," and he signed it saying, "Good luck, Scott." Oh, how and then is that? when I when I supported him, I took the book back and said, "You signed this." like nearly 10 years uh, well seven years ago it was at the time and then he signed the other side of the page saying now you're supporting me on tour which was like amazing oh, so it's fantastic it, so that? yeah so for me that's like a moment of like you meet your comedy hero yeah. you you get that all wrapped up and that was like a wonderful so that's that's definitely the, the best moment the, the worst one i mean there's there's so many i've been thinking a lot a lot about this I, i'll tell you because everyone's had that. I've had a couple at golf clubs where you sort of, you're doing, you don't really know what you're getting into. They think they've booked Bernard Manning because you sound, because <laughs> you sound, you sound a bit like him because you're Northern. And then they go, and then they, they think you're going to go up and go, my mother-in-law. And, and when you go up and start talking about like your life, they look at you like you're Ross Noble. Do you know what I mean? They look at you, they look at you like going, this is the most surreal comedy we've ever... And you're like, no, there's jokes. It's just you You don't know what you're watching. Um, and so I've had a couple of those and, and a couple where you try and compare yeah. when you're struggling and they look at you going, we're not helping you. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of like that you're dying like, and you, 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 all, your, all your parachutes that you're looking for to survive yeah, are just getting yeah. ripped. So there's been so many of those. But I think the most... Fr I, 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 I want to sort of describe a gig that's the worst gig and and it's the worst gig not because you're like you're getting pelted with 
pint glasses or whatever. I think the worst gig is where you you have like a, a, an apathy, an audience that never connect with you. Yeah. It's yeah. a really, it's a, a, as a comic on stage, you, you'll have that where, where you can deal with the death because a death is like they hate you and there's like a, a, a silence like I had one where I did support for Engelbert Humperdinck which I think I, you know the story I've told the story I'm sure but um, that was when I went out I don't know why I was booked for that I think it's like it's like a tap dancer opening opening for the Wu-Tang Clan isn't it it's ridiculous <laughs> right um, the, it was just it was all these old people just staring at me and just this strange silence <laughs> punctuated by a whistle of hearing aids Richard that's all you could hear and they just <laughs> even Eng, even Engelbert from the wings looked across going why is he what's this uh, so that was the that was the worst death I've had but the the apathy gigs are worse than that right. because even with that death you can embrace it and go look they hate me I'm not right for them let's just get through this that's fine but when you get on there and for the first two or three minutes they're unsure then you, you then you get a laugh but you you don't get the laugh at the point you normally get the laugh you get a laugh on a different thing you've said and then and then you sort of in your head you're going I don't understand who these people are and you're fighting like that all the way through they never go for you you never relax and you come off stage just going it was just an apathetic what was that? <laughs> that frustrating was yeah frustrating <laughs> yeah. Get, and they're the worst ones because th- right. what you tend to do as a comedian is you you fight harder and appear like to try and get more laughs and and I remember like someone said to me after I had, I had a gig like that they sort of came up and went oh I don't know what was wrong there one of the audience members and this makes me laugh all the time because they said oh I don't know what's wrong we really loved you our table and I said yeah I could hear you laughing loud and she <laughs> says yeah we liked you because out of all of them you were the one who was most eager to make us laugh and I said to, said to my wife on the way home basically what they said is you were the most desperate that's what I, <laughs> oh, you, you were the most needy person so um, so yeah that, that was how I would describe I think for any comedian a frustrating 6 out of 10 is, is the ones you think about in the car journey on the way yeah, home they're, yeah. they're horrible horrible they're, gigs they're, they're brilliant answers I've, I saw Bernard Manning live well, unfortunately um, yeah. uh, my, my home city is Carlisle and he played a nightclub there and I was hammered <laughs> and he walked on and, and he insulted the audience and they booed him off he lasted one minute um, wow! That's in my that's in my blog. I train my my blog is um, obviously an enthuse and a and a positive and it's supposed to have a positive energy to it. And I struggled with <laughs> to say, but uh, yeah. I saw yeah. him and I also saw Rob Brydon. I've never saw I've never seen him do his stage act, but I saw him host. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue on Radio Four. Uh, yeah. Live, and I also saw him um, interview Barry Humphreys, and he was superb. The yeah. two of them were, were were brilliant. The impersonations he's got, Bryden, is incredible. It really yeah, is. yeah. And it was like watching a. Ver- I watched it every night, yeah. and it was like watching. Yeah. It was like watching a variety show. Yeah. it was yeah. amazing. It was and I, I, and it, it just it was just like a. It was a masterclass in in stagecraft yeah. Yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, I learned yeah. so much. I learned so much. Superb. Um, mm. I am absolutely staggered that we have never met. I've only ever seen your comedy online mm. uh, coming from your infamous shed, mm. which is where you do your routines. 
Um, when you go on tour, does your material differ from place to place? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's, it's so weird that I can't wait until you can see me yeah. without via broadband. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, a weird, yeah. it's a weird thing. But yeah, how strange. I mean, yeah, it does. It definitely does. I mean, I can't take the shed with me, so I can't start... <laughs> I can't start every set, set with. Here we are, look. And this, um, so I think when I do a tour show, I tend to um, come out and sort of compare the first 10, 15 minutes anyway. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I will I will do a bit of research about the local area. But I tend to do, if I'm doing a tour show, I'll do the tour show. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think um, what you sort of see is... I do a little bit of research to try and make it a special performance. Yeah. But yeah, the, the majority of it, if it's a tour show, I'll do the tour show, you know. It's hard, it's hard enough making people laugh without improvising it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Got to have it written down somewhere. I, want, I once saw... Um, I've seen Victoria Wood many times, uh, God bless her, but uh, I saw mm. her in Carlisle with my mum, and I've wow. never seen so much research for the town that she... Playing. Yeah, it was extraordinary. So she had the audience straight away relating to her, and they yeah. were with her, and 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 it and that's that's why I asked the question. Yeah, I, th I think it's a really good thing. I mean, I I did my first uh, tour, small tour in twenty nineteen, right. and it was a real eye opener for me because you walk out and you're supporting yourself. Because this is the sort of th thing I, I sort of said. I sort of said normally I would have a support. Um, which is someone who's, you know, on the lower echelons of the comedy ladder, sort of fighting to get noticed by the industry. And then I realised that was me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you might as well do it all on so your own. So I did it all. I literally went out and uh, I went out and I did sort of 20 minutes where I, I charged to him and sort of, and that was really interesting because it was hard, but when you got them, yeah. it was wonderful because then you went into the break and you came back out and went, oh, he was terrible in the first half. One of his shit is. Uh, and then and then you're in you're into your show and they they're on board and and the feeling of getting to the end of that is wonderful because oh, you've yeah, gone well I've down. I've gone from a standing start there to having a, a, a crowd who are really on side and I yeah. think you you learn so much yeah, doing that yeah 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 um, mm. what was your first Edinburgh festival fringe like. Um, well, the first one I did, I did Big Value uh, oh, for just oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah for just the tonic in in 2013. Right. Uh, in the in the caves, yeah. uh, and we always used to, yeah we always used to joke because we we're in the long cave which I, you must have been to Edinburgh you know the just up the up the road one and we always used to joke because that it looked like a whale's vagina because it was sort of like <laughs> it, it, it was uh, it was like pink long and pink like that I mean I know exactly uh, what you do you know what you mean and it's it sort of like it's when it's when you got in when you used to get in at night and blow your nose and black had come out like a like a coal miner you were like that is on my lungs that can't be good um so we we did that and uh, I did I was basically doing that um every day and right. I um I was still working, so I, I took saved all my holiday up and just went to Edinburgh and I took my wife and one child at the time. We only had the one. And uh, it was a bit it was a big sacrifice, but it was it was great experience. And oh, I, the, the, yeah, the lineup was really good. There was me, um, P 
Pete Otway, oh, yeah. Dame, Dame Baptiste, yeah. and um, Evelyn Mock. Oh, so we were all we were all in the uh, the, the the seven pm show, but it was so hot in there. Yeah. But we had great gigs because it was full every day, and it was my first taste of Edinburgh. So just I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Did you yeah. used to do fifteen minutes then? Is that, is yeah, that fif- yeah, fifteen yeah. minute sets, yeah. and then yeah. um, it was just it was just a great just to be immersed in it I didn't know anything about Edinburgh I yeah. never knew I don't I, you know I had no in, you, you do realise when you get up there and I've found this as I've got on for, you're playing a different game yeah. like, I, un, I understand the circuit I understand about building an audience but the comedy industry side of it was always a mystery to me right. so so I went up there and it was just great fun I just had such a good time and I, I think it was the, it's the most fun Edinburgh I've ever had because there was no pressure yeah. and it was just Full audiences every day. Yeah. It was fantastic. My yeah. my first Edinburgh Fringe was two thousand and five, and I've been going there every year since. And I, wow. I, go, I go for a week. I'm very lucky to go, but I go. It's my holiday, and yeah. uh, I see about fifty shows. I just absolutely love it. And you step off the train at the Haymarket, and the atmosphere. Yeah, and you're in, and it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's a, it's a, if you love comedy, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. fantastic. And and I take um, my family up with me, so they've been four years now. They've been for yeah. four years, and it's like my my two my two children start off as sort of like northern feral kids, and then end up as like middle class <laughs> socialites. <laughs> it's so wonderful to see the transformation. So you like they start off just going like wandering around like that and then by the end they come up to me after a show and go daddy the Japanese theatre was wonderful this afternoon and I'd be like who are these two do you know what I mean we're going to see some dance daddy you you go and fly we're going to see some dance. I'd, it's about, it's a new. There's a Chekhov play being done for children. Ch- Chekhov for children. We're, it's just wonderful seeing the transformation because they they get so much out of it. That's and, and They see all the street performers, and so it's like a thing. I think that was the deal. Really, is if I was going to do this. I, I have to involve them because okay. I, I, yeah. I think I think it makes it more expensive. But I just think that they. It's their holiday, really, as well, yeah. and they need to get something. So, so my my family love it, you know. Plus, as well, you can't beat the creativity of it, you know. So no. obviously, the, as soon as they're old enough to go, you're yeah. giving them the most incredible experience. Amazing, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think makes a good comedian? Um, I've thought about this quite a lot, and I think I think I think that it's work ethic. Right. Actually, I think you have to have a talent goes without saying I think you have to have funny bones and I think you have to know what's funny but there's millions of people who have done that and there's and there's only a few that have become uh, what now I say to use the phrase making it but who have become sort of comedy icons yeah. and if you look at all these people the one thing they've got in common is their hard working the work ethic and they never stop so they never stop writing they never stop coming up with ideas they never stop uh, thinking about where they can go they never stop working and I think I think that's one thing that I think comedians forget is that you look at and it's the same for anything I watched a documentary last night about hip hop because I'm trying to be down with the kids Richard Um, and uh, it was saying the same thing about Kanye Kanye West how he had to work for years and as a producer and sort of grafting away no one's been given it 
and I think that's what people forget and I think it, the parallels with comedy are there so like yes, yeah, I, I, I and, and you see, like, I read somewhere that someone said they went to Harry Hill's house in the early days and he had, like, a study and all he had, like, he had, like, a folder that said sitcom ideas, sketch wow. ideas, stand-up ideas. Wow. And you think, well, that is a... And, and what's really interesting is I've worked with acts who are financially comfortable and don't need to do it, yet they still do new material nights, they still write, and it's because they love it, that's the number one, but also you've got to maintain that quality that the, the last thing you want to do is to turn up and do a tour you yeah. know you've underwritten i think the story that comes to mind for me of course is um, bob monkhouse's joke absolutely yeah you know he he, he could pick a subject he could open yeah. up, pick a subject and it'd be, be about 10 gags yeah extraordinary yeah and and that is work ethic and yeah. I think that's so I think it has to be I think you've got to have your eyes open and be receptive of the world and things that are going on yeah. because there's so many ideas in, in terms of material that come up all the time um, I mean I had like a routine that I'm writing at the moment uh, like we when we were out for a walk as a family and my um, youngest one won't walk I have to drag her on the scooter right and, and <laughs> I just right. I look back and just watch the way she was slumped, making it as difficult as possible for me. And I thought, well, that's a wonderful moment there because that is a child who's so stubborn. She's like a a, a cowboy with an arrow through his back, like that. <laughs> just just making her mass as much of a dead weight for a dad as possible. And I think you have to sort of then then the skill comes. And I think this is another Seinfeld quote, which I I'd love Jerry for this. He yeah. sort of said. And if it's in your joke, until it's on stage and it's getting a laugh, it's nothing. And that's a really important point because there's lots of comedians who've got ideas, but until those ideas become jokes, they're nothing. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the work ethic that you need. I think. Well, uh, well, uh, um, you mentioned uh, Harry Hill, and mm. I've seen him many, many times. I first saw him thirty years ago, and I and I, and I told him this when I met him. And to this day, for me, he's got he had the greatest opening line I've ever heard to a gig. He was late for the show. It was at downstairs at the King's Head in Crouch End. And he brushed past me, he climbed up onto the stage, and he went, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry I'm late. I had to have a testicle brought down and paused and got a laugh. And then he said, from Derby. Brilliant. The brilliance brilliant. about him was he had about five different stories going at once. Yeah. It was extraordinary. And that's yeah. where the work ethic comes from. Yeah, and I, he's the first stand-up I ever saw. Yeah, at brilliant. the age of, of 15, I went with my mate, and yeah. it was amazing. And, and I still, I think in terms of comedians, he's the one comedian who successfully managed to maintain his integrity and his creativity, but make himself mainstream. Very and I much, think, like, yeah. if you'd look at him, he's quite a surreal act, but he's yeah. the only one, and Vic and Bob have done it as well, yeah. Yeah. who have managed to package that and sell, and sell it to the mainstream. And yeah. the work that goes behind that is huge. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is incredible to see, it really is. Mm. Um, how do you cope with any nerves before you go on stage or before you... Uh, well, I mean, it's almost lunchtime, so we won't go into too much detail, but there's a lot <laughs> of effluence. Uh, uh, I think a lot of it is... I'll tell you what I do say to myself, because I've had this before. I think sometimes I get... I have let nerves get the better of me. And I tell you, when you get it, it's, it's not the gigs, the big support gigs or anything like that. It's the gigs where, say, like your first weekend at the London Comedy Store. Yeah. 
Yeah. That, that's the sort of one, because you look at that logo and your little voice in your head goes, this is, this is you're going to get frowned out tonight. Like, this is the, that's the fear for a comic, is that, you know, you're just saying words. It, it's a magic trick, really. If the audience don't laugh, it's just a breakdown, is what it is, really. It's just a desperate <laughs> plea for validation. So I think, I think that for me, for me, what I do say though is I go if the gig's a big gig and and like it's a it's a, like there's thousands of people and you can feel that nerves creeping up. I always go, well, what do you want? Because if you want to be a successful comedian, and I do, I want to be doing yeah. big big arenas, hopefully. Then, if you're not uncomfortable with this. Do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the brutal truth is that you have to go, well, this is part of it. If you can't cope with this, go and get another job because yeah. this will always keep happening to you, this. Yeah, yeah. That's, no. that's, that's a great answer. How do you remember all your jokes and routines? Um, I do. I'm typing them out. That is proper sad. So I have got, like, Word documents of of every show I've done, wow. Edinburgh show, and I've got Word documents. I keep a running document going, so every time I do some new material, I'll I'll listen to it back and I'll type it up. It'll it'll develop from there, but then wow. I've got like a bank of stuff yeah. under different headings, and then I use a, a mind mapping thing online to sort of explore the material. So I try and do it like, I'm quite meticulous like that, but then the material will take on its own organic form because the, the sometimes is I've had it where I've done material that looks amazing on paper and then you do it on stage and you get the laugh earlier, then, you, then the joke's gone then. So you, all you're doing is just hammering a point that's already you've, they've moved on from. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think you can overwrite. So I think it's that, what, what I think, I, I tend to do is obviously we can't now because of COVID but I would write material do a new material night every week and then listen to the material back and then that becomes the bit right. so the, the the blueprint if you like is the, is in the master document typed right. up right. and then it, it, it morphs into the whatever's on stage you know and I think that's the skill in in making those look organic that's incredible that you type them all up because I've mm. seen a lot of comedians on stage either with notebooks or writing it on the hand or, or whatever with pointers or whatever. You're, mm. you're as bad as me with the blog because I've got a, I've got Word document for every single comedian. I've got a giant spreadsheet for all the comedians <laughs> wow. I've seen. It's, it's, yeah. You have to be, I suppose organized to a certain extent and, and i know when you walk out you can talk about anything you like but you have to have a structure to it yes um, totally how do you cope with um difficult audiences i, I think you touched on this earlier before yeah difficult difficult audiences i think i think sometimes as well um and you say difficult, do you mean... I think the apathy one is a, is a tricky audience. I think, I think there's also a moment, as you, get, as you do more gigs, you get more experience, so you see the yeah, same things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like a learning curve. So like if you've got an audience that is particularly drunk or particularly unfocused, all you'll do is just try and keep it punchier or right. you, won't, you won't engage with them. Sometimes you engage with them, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have to play through it. I think you have to just assess it as you walk on. And I think that's, that's the thing you've got to have in your head. You've got to have that flexibility. You can't be... And when you're a new act, this is why I think new acts, you die more when you're new. And I think it's because you've got a rigid box you're in where you go, I'm doing my jokes... 
and I'm doing my jokes. I've got no other way to go. I'm not talking to the audience because I don't know what will happen. I need to do well. So you stuck. Whereas when you've been going a while and gigging a lot, if something happens, you can react because you go, well, I can deal with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think you've got to be in the room. I think that's... And I struggle with that. And I think once we get out of Zoom gigs and go back to real life gigs, that will be a skill I have to get the rust off again. Because I think everyone's on Zoom has not been in the room. That's the... Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't be. Yeah. So you, you see, you're all, we're all performing monologues effectively and I think when we get back into real life gigs there's going to be that oh shit right I've got a f I'm in the room now so I I've got to connect with these people physically connect with them so, so I think there's a, there's a that's that'll be the challenge I think so if you get like any hecklers or anything in mm. an audience who who unfortunately mm. say something to you in the middle of your act and of course we're not there to hear them we're here were there to see you how, yeah. would, how would you cope with that do you have ammunition for them ready or um, I think I think this is an interesting one as well because I don't re rehearse echo put downs I don't no, really no, have no. that and the other thing is as well it's got to fit with your persona on stage so the audience as soon as you walk out you'll know this they've got you as a pigeonholed and I'll get he's likeable warm engaging family man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your, it's your, I mean, the, the reality, Richard, is that I'm an awful person. That's a joke. But um, it, it's, uh, so what I mean is, though, they, they put you in that box. Yeah, so if yeah. you, and I've had this before, if you come out of that and really going hard on someone, you're then fighting a losing battle for the rest of your material. So in your head, you've got to go, I can't, I know they're being rude. The audience know they're being rude. But if you ruin, if you go in too hard, you'll just ruin this for yourself. Because the audience will turn around and go, "Oh, that's a bit harsh." I thought yeah, you were yeah. nice. Yeah. So you've got to tread. If you're a, like a Sadowitz or yeah. you're Frankie Boyle, yeah. that's when you're playing the stronger suit or Jimmy Carr. Because yeah. you can go in really, really hard, yeah. and that and they know that's what they're there for. But then the problem is, you get people who turn up for that. That's the problem. Then, yeah. however, I think with with. Um, me, I think it's, I have to try and disarm them within my persona. So it'll be a lot like, I'll try and bring the audience in so we all together hate that person. So that'll be the yeah, thing. I'll, that, I'll sort yeah, of go like, I've even, I've even said, look, I'm, I'm too nice a person to put this person down. I said, but there's enough people in here who are, who are assholes who haven't said anything yet. Yeah, so if yeah. we, if you can just back me up, all the arseholes, and then we'll we'll easily cope with this prick. Yeah. And then that, that's the sort of way of doing it. I don't know. It's that sort of, you know, that sort of approach. But I think the best ever heckle put down I've seen, and I, and uh, it was Bill Bailey actually, and I was doing the Lincoln Comedy Feast, and I was on before him, so I'd been on. It was a really great gig, and. Bill was chatting to someone in the audience who was really boring like, and it went nowhere and this this put this put down I, I've told so many people about this I can't take credit for it but my god it was amazing so this guy was talking and Bill just sort of it went on for about three minutes and Bill just sort of rolled his eyes shut his eyes out and just went oh. and then he went well well that was a long, windy walk down a beach, only to find that the cafe was closed. <laughs> and that was... 
it's just like he'd done all this That's work genius. he hadn't got and it's just like the poetic the poetic putting down of, a, of an audience and, I, and, and from that day on I thought if you can do it poetically then that will be lovely. So, um, you know, I, I think that's the sort of thing. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen so many comedians come on and try, come on stage and try and tackle hecklers and mm. fail. And mm. I think your way, where you try and get them all on your side, is so much better. Yeah, um, but it but it but it reminds me of the old Les Dawson story. Les Dawson was one of the first comedians I ever saw live, and I absolutely love him. And he and uh, he a, a, a punter came up after his show one day, and he said, "He said, do you mind if I give you a bit of constructive criticism?" He says, "No, not at all." He says, "I think you're crap." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean to say that, he said, "I've got to yeah. do better than I can do and carry on." It was just yeah, that he's told that. <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> you, know, you, you aren't going to please you. you yeah, you aren't going to please everyone. So I think that's the um, thing. Yeah. To date, what has been your comedy highlight? Is it the Rob Brighton gig? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. I, I, like this year I won the um, Comedians Comedian Award. Congratulations. Yeah, which is um, it's an, I mean it means nothing to people that aren't within the industry, but to be <laughs> to be voted by your peers. Wow, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, and all I had to do, Richard, was grind the entire. UK comedy industry to a halt with a, a worldwide, a worldwide pandemic, fault, and then fault. and then there we go. What I've done is, you know, one man's pandemic is another man's career break. That's the way, the way I describe it. I can't do anything with it because no gigs are happening. However, I think I think that's that was the key for me because I think it was that sort of moment where you've got the approval of your peers, and I think that's that's important because. I think we're all we all we're all funny, you know. We're all because that's why we're doing the job. But I think for people to acknowledge that you you're working really hard and and things are paying off is is a wonderful thing. So I think I think that would be the highlight so far. I think yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, and what ambitions do you have to be a comedian? Um, have as a comedian. As a comedian, well, I do I do write for a lot of people as well, right. which has been which has been great. So I, I write a lot for um, I've written for telly and radio and worked with Ramsey and Bryden and Manford and all these people. It's been fantastic. So I I sort of I want I've sort of dream of the day where I'm doing my programs or my sitcom TV, or my radio. yeah my bit yeah. of TV and radio. So that that but that will come that only comes off the back of raising your profile it's a horrible way of saying it but that's the truth so i think my ambition really is to try and break through into bigger bigger things because i think that's the 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 thing that will unlock a lot of where i want to be really so so it's however we do that i think that's yeah no no, well i wish you every success thank Um, you uh, we're all living in strange times Mm. how have you found online gigs as opposed to live gigs um well yeah i mean it's there's some advantages you know you can mute hecklers <laughs> that's nothing that's something that i'll not miss i'll miss in the real world um but i've done it i've done every uh, this has been i think looking back at it, it it's been a really interesting time yeah. for for like the, the, there's almost like a, a story to tell really because um I've done every gig, so I did. When it first started, there was the panic of losing your diary. I said to Gemma, I said to my wife, I said, this is the closest I've ever come to being cancelled 
like sort of like feeling like you've said something on Twitter you shouldn't say and then you lose all your work I know what that feels like now uh, but but yeah I think we started doing obviously I did the drive-in gigs yeah, as well okay. where you gig into car bonnets which is like, like well, it's like being booked to do Glastonbury and then you find out it's the car park <laughs> sort of you know what I mean? So you're like, you, you're doing stuff. And I tried to, you try and do, <laughs> I remember I said, anyone drinking? Well, no, they're in the cars, mate. Do you know what I mean? So leave. And, and you're like, give us a beep if you've got kids. It's, it was weird. That, they, they were hard. Yeah. There was no rhythm to the gig. It was weird. It was so weird. Uh, so I've done those. But the, the online stuff, I think there's been a lot of comedians who sort of said, I'm not doing it. I refuse to do it. And, I, and my attitude was, well, you won't be performing then. Yeah. You won't be doing anything then. And I, and I think the online world, before I had a website and I used to do put videos out, but since I've done the shed stuff, I've connected with people that were never have never seen me do stand-up like yourself you've never, yeah, never yeah, seen me yeah. do and and people across the world we you know we we have when we do the shed show every week we've got people watching from canada from wow. united That's arab Emirates. it goes global you go global yeah, yeah. And, and we've met we've i've helped people who are going to come and see me when we on tour you're building an audience at a time when everyone it's a double-edged sword because the gigs aren't relying on broadband which is never great yeah. you've got all the challenges of of tech and yeah. actual yeah. performing but the flip side of that is there's an audience who are sat at home yeah. who are a bored and yeah. b really want to laugh yeah. so like you are you are filling a massive gap yeah. in the market and i think that's that's why you should embrace it as a comic, really. And um, and I've got used to playing them. I think yeah. you can play them if you play to the webcam like it's a telecamera. Yeah. I think you can start to play them. It's interesting. You said the difference. Some bits of material don't work right. online that used to work in the clubs because they rely on more physical things. Yeah. The stuff that's written works better um, and vice versa. I think when when you go back into the, uh, <laughs> when you go back and do your first gig and you're going, can you just mute? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and you're going, you, you're waiting because of the latency of your broadband. Like, Scott, what are you, what are you yeah. pausing for? It's you, know, right? it's you know, stood rigid, just looking into space like that because you, you don't want to move. And, um, going on with headphones on. That's yeah, what yeah. I'll be doing. Just going on with headphones yeah. on for no reason. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's been it's been an interesting time that I would have never experienced if it wasn't for COVID. I I always say it's the next best thing. I mean, I mean, thank yeah. God for online comedy for me because it's gotten me through mm. the um, lockdown. But yeah. um, when I first um, uh, d when I first logged into the um, online comedy shows there was never any sound so of course I was sitting here with my laugh laughing at four walls and <coughs> neighbours were knocking on the walls going who the hell's that sounded like you're having a is, is Richard is Richard okay is Richard okay I mean you, you say that you say that but like I remember once this is a true story this shows if you think you're a comedy nerd mate I raise you Right, because I was once in Sainsbury's, just pushing the trolley round, and I had my daughter, she was in the trolley just playing, and I was working a bit of comedy out <laughs> near the bagels, just workshopping. Um, uh, and I didn't realise I was doing it out loud, so I was going, uh, imagine that, I'm pushing the trolley, I've got a kid, it's the middle of the day, this is before COVID, and I'm just going... 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, can you imagine that? It's like it's like being in a hurricane relief situation and, and just doing it out loud. And one of the managing one of the staff members got the manager to check I was okay. <laughs> and I said, brilliant. "Yeah, I'm 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 fine. I'm I'm a I'm a comedian." And they sort of looked at me and looked at my daughter as if to say, "Like, if you need help, just blink," <laughs> because this clearly loon is a lunatic. <laughs> so there well, you go. I was. I was I, <laughs> I was going to say, you clearly can't be live, especially in Sainsbury's. I'll, I'll do but, a gig in Sainsbury's uh, yeah. now, I'll do any gig. <laughs> but, I tell uh, you, I, I'd, I'd give the chance to, to do, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do a gig for Engelbert Humperdinck. I would die <laughs> supporting Engelbert Humperdinck now, I've missed comedy that much. Yeah, oh yeah, the, the, the yeah. live atmosphere of it, I, I so miss mm. going to somewhere like Headliners or the Soho Theatre, and uh, having a few beers before the comedy show and then afterwards, and you make a night of it. And and because uh, of course with live, you never know what's going to happen. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, but, um, absolutely. Who who are your favourite comedians, past and present? Um, there's I've got quite a eclectic mix. I think I think um, I think Seinfeld mm. uh, for just because I think if you're doing observational comedy, it's like the it's the Mozart, isn't it? Really, it's yeah. The, it, it, and, and a lot of people go, oh well, he all he does is go, what's the deal with? Or he does like, and I think I think no, this, no, the, it's, it's so it's, but then my thing is, what really makes me laugh is I've seen. It's always a bit of a criticism of mine. This and and McIntyre used to get it, and and you used to get where acts would who who want to be Stuart Lee normally. That's the sort of the Venn diagram. They want to be Stuart Lee. They hate Michael McIntyre, and they hate sort of main what they say is mainstream. And I remember sort of someone in a green room. We were doing this awful gig. There was like three people and a dog in or something. It was awful. And they they sort of said, "Yeah, I won't want to be Michael McIntyre because um, I'd just rather be true to my art." And he, and and all he's doing is just pointing stuff out that everyone's knows and I just I felt wow. like going no I'd rather be up in this pub playing to three people and a dog than doing seven nights at the O2 <laughs> I think that I think I'd take that as well and the other thing is as well is you try pointing stuff out and being one of the most successful comedians on the planet it's just not it's just the skill in making observational comedy I, I, that's why I really admire McIntyre um, uh, Seinfeld um, Lee Mack, yeah. uh, you know, Manford's, uh, yeah. all these guys, because what they're doing is they're taking observational comedy and they're making it like, uh, they they take, like Seinfeld, if, you, if someone said, oh, Seinfeld's got a bit on um, social media, like, and, and, and they'll be like, what a hack thing. And I was like, yeah, but his take will be the best take. Yeah. It'll be yeah. better than what you've got and it'll be better than what anyone else has got because he... He's got like a like McIntyre as well. They've got a radar for being funny. Like they, they just hope forensic ability for for funny. And I um I did a work in progress thing with McIntyre. It was very odd how it happened. He was doing warm up for a tour, and he had a load of people on doing ten minutes. There was me, Ed Gamble, Kerry Godleman, Russell Kane. And well, then McIntyre, McIntyre went on and did like 45 minutes of stuff he was doing for his tour. And it was amazing. It was so good. Yeah, and I'm like, the, 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 the ability, he did like seven minutes on windscreen wiper settings. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm, like, I'm like looking at it going, uh, and I think for me, that's the admiration in, in doing observational comedy that's original, funny, and 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 like when you see that routine, what I'm aiming for is to do a routine and then other comics to watch it and go, well, that's done now because he's done so well. Like, and I always remember when he did the big show, 
yeah. which is a family show. Yeah. So my children watch that. My 10-year-old loves that. Yeah. And and they did a routine about wasps and how people react around wasps. I don't know if you've <laughs> seen it. And how there's different people, like there's the people who stay stillers, the people yeah. who panic. And my 10-year-old was laughing so much. And I was like, you never laugh at daddy like that. But um, the point was, is he got, he's, he's managed to do comedy that just transcends ages and demographics and the skill is phenomenal well it can take anything and make it funny i i first saw mcintyre and manford at the edinburgh fringe and he played played a mcintyre played a tiny room in the attic and uh, he did a routine excuse me he did a routine about um getting his hair cut and I'd never laughed so hard in my yeah. life at a yeah. comedian who I'd never seen before. And this yeah. is this is the one this is the magic of doing the blog because you because I love watching comics like you develop because uh, because you, you go and see them year um, year after year and you can see yeah. how more confident they are and it's all down to experience and everything. There's a mm. there's a section in my blog called the ones that got away. And this, and this, uh, I've listed twenty-five of them who have either passed on or I haven't been able to see. And and the reason why I love comedy is Markham and Wise. I would have loved to have seen them. But yeah. Bob Monkhouse is in there. Dave Allen's in there. Oh, um, Dave Norman, Allen. Yeah. Dave Allen was brilliant. Norman I mean, you mentioned Dave Allen. Yeah. That I've been rewatching that because yeah, I was a bit young. And I've been rewatching that, and that is as good as observational stand-up as you're going to get. The, yeah. the 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 way he tells a story, yeah. and the the hit rate of the jokes, oh, it's extraordinary, yeah, amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I sort of envy that calmness as well. I envy he, that. He wasn't, ne- there was no pressure, desperation, and and I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Yeah, and and, I, and and I think if you're a comedian and you've got time on the ball yeah. and you make it look like you've got time on the ball yeah that's really impressive like jim owen is yeah, a bit yeah, like yeah. that yeah yeah he's got that ability oh. to go you're watching him and you're going god this is so controlled he walked on so when we beautiful saw him. yeah he walked on when we saw him and he just he just looked around this massive audience he just looked around and he went what 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 and he and he, did, he hardly said anything for about 10 minutes and you're on the floor Tommy Cooper was another we saw Tommy yeah. Cooper live in the 70s and there was nothing on stage but a bed and one woman was laughing he was lying on it and one woman in the crowd was laughing and it trickled round till everybody was laughing and he hadn't done a thing and after 10 <laughs> minutes he popped his head up and he just went what somebody come on <laughs> Amazing, amazing, beautiful, and I think I think it's not just like um, stand up. I think that's the thing. What What's interesting is I've met a lot of comedians who don't embrace themselves in comedy. Yeah, and that's a re. And I can't get. I don't get that because I'm like, but you're in this. Why are you doing it then? Because for me, it's not just stand up. Like we're rewatching the royal family at the moment from the start. And like Carolina Hearn, we, we, like Mrs. Merton's show. Yeah. There's just so, there's so much like, and you watch that sort of and Sean Locke's Fifteen Stories High, which yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Like, and and you watch stand up and sitcoms together. You're getting so much content and exactly. so many yeah. comedy comment. Your comedy radar is just going bonkers. And I think I think that's like 
that's you've got to immerse yourself in it. So I think for me, I, I, I'll I love every bits of stand up, you know. And I I love Bill Burr, yeah, for the for the ranty sort of style, but that it's ranty, but there's great jokes in there. Yeah. Um, and I did I loved Louis C.K. until he wrecked his career. Yeah. That was one yeah. of the most difficult things to process because I was like, oh god, because when he when he came on the scene and he started doing parenting stuff in a way that was so new and so different uh, and but yeah relevant sad. as well when, you, when you're a yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and it was just sad what happened there <coughs> and fo- yeah. foolish on his on his just a real shame and um, so but yeah I, I think there's there's so much uh, experience yeah. and, that you can gain from watching people like that my, myself and my brother went to see um, Steve Coogan um, right. uh, um, a few years ago and it was at the time when the royal family had just aired on TV and I didn't realise but we got press night and when we walked in um, Ricky Tomlinson was at the bar and wow. uh, we were raving about the royal family and, and, and we said oh we think you're the funniest thing on TV and he said Caroline's over there in the corner and she, this little timid woman was sitting there waving away thank you so much and it it, it, it was extraordinary that because nothing mm. happened and yet it did yeah we've been good. i think we've been watching it as well and i think it's some of the yeah. best natu- naturalistic oh, acting the acting's it perfect yeah, it's, it's just it was just one of those programs that yeah. was perfect i yeah, think yeah. Um, yeah like me do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience um, I did before I started stand-up. So I, I think what ha- actually happens is sort of a flip side. Doing stand-up's great, but it stops you enjoying watching stand-up yeah, in the same yeah, way because yeah. you feel two emotions. You yeah. feel like jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> you feel you feel fear that they're going to do a bit that you're working on that you oh, can't God, do again. Yeah. You feel sort of like that. You, you're looking at the mechanics of it going... Right, I can see where that's got you. It's like it's like when my, the analogy is: my dad was a fireman for twenty-five years, right. and there was a program called London's Burning yeah, yeah, that yeah, was on yeah, telly. Yeah. And watching that with my dad was a tortuous experience, Richard, because he'd just be going, "That's the wrong horse for a start," <laughs> and that, that they'll never put that out with that level of water pressure. Where's the jaws of life? And it was literally going on and on, and he'd be going, "They haven't even done a drill." We've been watching this for an hour. They've not even done a drill. They've not washed down the kit. Where is the turntable ladder? Turntable ladder for that? Just that for an hour. Just shut up. I can't hear the telly, mate. Um, so, so you can't watch it in no. the same way. I don't think. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 interesting because. But uh, I still love it. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, mm. I will go till the day I drop dead. You yeah. Know, I, I I I I absolutely love the experience of going um just finally is there anything else you would like to say is there anything you'd like to plug are you writing a show are, are you uh, yeah. where can people find you yeah i've got lots to plug actually i mean well i'm right, going well. now i'm going nowhere and i'm I've, <laughs> I've i've done nothing i mean that's the thing for 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 an observational comedian this has been the worst and like it's annoying because you've got all this writing time but you can only go to the supermarket or walk around your yeah, garden. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. There's no, there's nothing there to inspire you. But um, obviously, I do the stand up from the shed shows, which yeah. is via my Facebook page. So if you go Scott Bennett comedian, that comes up, and we do those every week. 
sometimes Thursdays, sometimes Sundays. Um, so we do that. I'm doing a tour next uh, well it keeps getting pushed back which is frustrating so it's a show called relax which was meant to be my edinburgh show right. last year um and it's going on tour we're probably looking now at september october 21 right uh, and basically the show this is the this will make you laugh so the, f- the the show was all about how human beings need to press the reset button and relax <laughs> There you go. There this you go. Was, so this was clearly so written almost, before the yeah, pandemic. So, yeah, so I've got a direct. I've got a direct line to God, haven't I? Because he just went. Well, we'll sort. We'll sort that out, mate. There you go. Um, but I did. I did it at the Leicester Comedy Festival and got a best show nomination. Right. So it's a. It's a really good show, and um, it was all about that sort of. I find it very difficult to switch off because of the pressure of life, and I think life itself. Like what's really interesting that's changed going to be actually mentioned in that show now is that I think this pandemic has woken people up to how how their lives weren't going the way they wanted them to yeah. go as in we were working too hard we were commuting when we didn't need to commute we didn't have time for each other or ourselves and that, and I think people are not going to go back to that life I think they're going to re- resist it as much as possible I think there's a lot of companies what really makes me laugh is I saw an advert for HSBC who were trying to sell the new normal as this is the new world and I'm like you're the prob- you were the problem with the old normal you guys <laughs> the, the sort of the pressure you were putting on people and the, the sort of the capitalists you know the society of consumerism is is you benefited from that, yeah, so you can't yeah. now you can't now give us the cure when you were part of the disease, which yeah, is an yeah. interesting one. So I think there's a, there's a, there's some there's a lot of um, themes there that are now pertinent. So that that show is going to need a little bit of a rewrite. Uh, however, um, I'll be doing that. So look out for that. It's on my website, scottbennettcomedy.co.uk. Um, and and then other things I'm doing. What other things am I doing? Um, I don't know. I'm writing. I'm writing um, a sitcom at the moment, wow. which um, I've I've got sort of to do a few rewrites on. And just generally, just waiting to get back out there is the is well, the key. But but uh, lots of stuff on social media. I put stuff up all the time. You know. Well, I'm I'm delighted you've got a tour show because um, that's going to be the one I'll come and see you live. At last. Fantastic, yes. <laughs> Which will be, you know, when will that be? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I can, I can, uh, yeah, let's let's do that. I mean, bring your webcam just in case. <laughs> I'm bringing mine. Thank you yeah. so, so much for Pleasure. chatting to me. I've so much enjoyed talking to you. It's been an absolute delight. It really Pleasure. has. Pleasure. Me too, yeah, really nice. Really Thank good to speak so to. Thank you so much for your time, mate. And all the Take best care. to you. All the very best. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye.